When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to Ausbiz Australia's only live streaming business and market channel. Great to have you company as we head into the PM with the call. 60 minutes with two experts as we go through 10 stocks that you want us to have a look at. And uh, we do, as I say, all that in 60 minutes. And uh, it's really informative, a lot of fun. And I love the panels that we have on here. And joining us, Gary Glover from Novus Capital. Gary, how are you, sir? Great. Uh, and Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Howard, how are you? Oh, now I'm not sure whether we were getting you there, Howard. We might just. Uh, oh. oh, there we go. Getting you there. Perfect. Um, how's that? How, how's the roller coaster of the share market in the, this week? How are you viewing it? Well, it's been a bit of fun again. Uh, you know, uh, you, you certainly don't want it to be standing still all week because then there's nothing to talk about or think about. So, uh, um, and of course, the best times for investors are when markets are down because then when you, that's where you can get to buy a piece of the company for a lower price. But unfortunately, the being down didn't last very long. It would have been nice if we'd had three, four <laughs> days in a row like we had on Friday. That would have been terrific. <laughs> yep, exactly right. Gary, how are you reading up? Yeah, I think that's coming. Maybe just, uh, yeah, maybe just not quite yet. But um, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think you've, I actually think there's some, um, it's funny, I mean, we've probably had 20, 30 good reasons for the market to sell down. And then we had sort of like a mild strain here, what, what the 13th, 14th strain, which has sort of caused the market to sort of have that get spooked. But yep. I think some of the weaknesses signs are already there because at the, at the moment, only about, I think 30% of the NASDAQ is above trading above the 200-day moving average. Right. I think 400 and there's 400 odd stocks there that are basically at 52-week lows in the in the Nasdaq. Oh. So the underbelly of the market is actually quite weak. Right. And um, so you really got the. Um, I mean, if you read all the textbooks about the classic, um, the peaks and tops in the market, you, you have these breadth issues. So right. you basically the you know. The minority do the heavy lifting at the end of the bull market, ah. uh, which is what we've got at the moment. We've sort of only got, you know, sort of the, you know, the, the top stocks are really doing the heavy lifting at the end, right. holding, holding. Right. So I got if actually, the bulk of the market looking really weak. Yeah, if you look under the hood there, a lot of stocks are actually a lot weak. A lot of stocks are trading down here. You even ah. see some of the Aussie techs come yeah. up quite a bit. So yeah. there's a real mix in the market there. So, so what are, what are you doing in this situation? You just well, I, I still keeping think, some cash. Yeah, look, I, I think you're going to see a big swing here out of growth into the value so right. um it's finally nice to see some of the banks actually come back to some you know some reasonable valuation because they've been sitting at you know way above their 10-year right. historical sort of average you know outside of the band so they're coming back to more moderate prices there but seeing some great volatility in this market i mean you yeah. saw the res- you know iron ore stocks get belted and yeah. you're starting to see the banks come off now so it's uh yeah it's going to be a bit of a trading front the good news is last time growth got crunched um, our market actually held up pretty well. We only sort of came back a lot. You know, I think the Nasdaq came off 80%. Right. S&P dropped 50 The Dow dropped 35 We only dropped about 15%. So right. that's the good news for Aussie, right. Aussie market. <laughs> just is that value usually holds well, up. So, right. Yeah. Okay. As, as, as much as we have so many stocks that don't make a profit, the Nasdaq's got even more. So there's, there's even more billions of dollars in companies that aren't profitable. And this is all caused by free money. You know, we've had these ridiculously low interest rates which have made the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. But the problem with this is that it's also meant all sorts of people with business models that have no hope of ever making any money are able to raise vast amounts of money and get attributed massive valuations on stock markets. And of course, that always ends badly. Uh, it always ends in tears. And um, uh, the NASDAQ tends to be far worse than that uh, than, than the ASX. 
I mean, we've got a lot of companies that don't make a profit, but they got even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's a 1,280% gain on the NASDAQ in the last 12 years, and only the tech boom, which was around 1,500% in that 10 years. Right. Was better. There's probably, if you go back and look at any equity index around the world, it's probably never been a more, um, you know, I think the Shanghai, when that Shanghai bubble did about 600% right. in five years, twice. The, the Nikkei bubble, right. was around about 600%, 650 or something, and maybe seven, eight yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. So this is up there, and this is okay. one of the big ones. So, All right. Yeah. So tax will be a big casualty. Speaking of that... I uh, haven't quite got to tulips yet, but we're getting there. Yeah. Um, speaking of tech stocks uh, being beaten around, stock of the day, I thought we'd take a look at Newix, um, has been in the uh, in the news for quite a while. A couple of uh, day or two ago, um, there was a uh, launch of a class action um, against its, its IPO uh, forecast today. Just this morning, it's down another... 7%. Of course, it's the, the big investigative analytics and intelligence software business, um, down 7% with a poor update at its uh, annual general meeting. Uh, look at that one-year chart. Um, hasn't been listed for very long, and there have been a few casualties as a result of it. Um, Gary, what do you think of Newix? You know, when it actually got down to that sort of 220 there, uh, what must be around sort of June there, I thought that was a bit of a washout at the time, right. a bit of a washout low. So um, it was sort of covered from there and got up to 330, but it's really only sort of gone up in a really mild yep. three-wave sort of, you know, like almost like a counter move. Yeah. And now we've started to sell off here. And now yeah. we've had an update here. And although the revenue line was higher, talking about profit getting impacted next year, um, they're not even sort of giving too much guidance because they're not sure about their revenue line for the next 12 months as well, whether um, these contracts yep. are as sticky as they think. And so there's a few little concerns there with the business there. So uh, increasing costs aren't going to help next year. Yep. So, yeah, just... Gee, this was a star listing yeah. at the end of last year, wasn't it? Mm. You know, Macquarie backed yeah. it in. This at the right was, time, I guess. It was so. hot. And yeah. that's why it went up to 11.17, down to 2.26. Yeah. And a, so keep well away. Yeah, some of these tech stocks, it's, 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 you know, tech can be, it's not always everlasting, you know. So yeah. someone can come and supersede you. So, um, yeah, things can change yeah. pretty rapidly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Howard, it's only a recent listing, so wouldn't uh, meet a lot of the team invest uh, filters and certainly 12 months on it wouldn't. <laughs> no, and the, the biggest reason, though, why we don't like companies with very short histories, you don't know enough about them. And remember, prospectus is a marketing document. It's designed to prize your money away from you and give it to the people who are selling the shares um, or to fund a company that's not making enough money to fund itself. So as a marketing document, you have to be very wary of any prospectus because they're going to put as much lipstick on the pig as they possibly can. Um, now, that doesn't mean that all IPOs are bad, but wow, you've got to do an enormous amount of due diligence. And the hotter it is, and the more hype there is around it, the more you need to beware, because if it needs the hype to be uh, having an IPO, that's a worry. You want an IPO that looks boring. You know, company's growing nicely, it's making profits, but it wants to expand a bit more and it needs a little bit of extra capital. They're unlikely to paint lipstick on the pig. But the ones that are most likely to do that are the ones you have to be the most worried about. And trustworthiness of the information from management is the most important thing. But if you look a little forward now, with ASIC investigating it, with some shareholders suing other shareholders, which is what class actions really boil down to. You know, they tout it as suing the company, but you're not suing the company. You're really suing the people who own the shares of the company. So some shareholders um, are suing effectively the wealth of the other shareholders in the company. Why would anybody want to touch it at this stage would be my attitude. But of course, as you say, uh, we would never have looked at it in Team Invest because didn't pass our filters and didn't have enough history. Yep. All right, let's get into the stocks that our viewers have sent in. And Howard, Jim wants a view on Macmillan Shakespeare, the big uh, salary packaging, novated lease, lease management business. Uh, 
uh, employs 1,300 people, Australia, New Zealand, the UK. Jen says, I've had it on my watch list and was wanting an entry price from the guests. It's not for growth. It's for more a hold for at least five years. The P is low, but they've continued to pay dividend regularly. Um, Howard, what do you think of Macmillan Shakespeare? Yeah, I think that's a reasonable summary there. It's It's got a very low PE. It's only on a PE of about 10 and a half or so, um, which in these days when we've got some things in the market that look like a bubble, um, makes it rather cheap. In fact, very cheap indeed. Uh, it's got a high return on equity, which is very good. It's debt's a little higher than we like to see, but um, not all that much higher, and it has reduced in the last 12 months. Um, hasn't grown its earnings for years and years and years, but um, the one part of its business, which is the NDIS plans, that looks like it's going to be a real winner and that's growing really fast. So although that's only a small part of their business, it's a small part that's growing very rapidly. Um, the innovated leasing, they say they don't expect it'll be uh, before the end of 2022, before the shortage of motor vehicles winds uh, up and, and they're available more easily. So that part of the business unlikely to grow. But certainly at, at, uh, at present P ratios, um, for somebody who's not looking for rapid growth and wants a steady earner um, that pays dividends, it's certainly looking very good at the moment. And, uh, you know, if you can buy it at around these levels or a little bit lower than these levels, uh, I think uh, when you look back over five years, you'd be quite happy with it. Mm. Uh, Gary? Yeah, it's a tough one here. I mean, uh, if you look at the numbers, it doesn't look expensive here. So Howard's right, yep. the PE is pretty, um, pretty, pretty modest there. And I think it's uh, the 10-year sort of um, average is around about 11 to 16. So we're sort of sitting down the lower end here. Just, just worried me this industry here. I mean, obviously we've got uh, new car sales have been declining since 2018. Just people just aren't buying new cars anymore. Um, so you just sort of, you know. The, the Uber sort of, um, you know, the, the renting sort of model and, um, yep. yeah, just the cost of sort of young people having a vehicle and things like that. So just, I don't know, I just, I look at the chart here, the chart's actually sort of um, broken a bit of a key support as well. So that looks a bit negative to me, but uh, same, same token, not seeing a lot of selling here in the stock either. So although the stock has pulled back a bit, not seeing any aggressive selling here. So to me, it's a sort of sit back and sort of see. I, I think under $12 is probably just technically a, a better level for the stock right, right. but um, just can't I just don't just can't get excited about McMillan Shakespeare's but yeah okay. like the, the numbers look okay just can't get excited about the business okay all right there you go Jen um, Gary Michelle wants a view on Ramsey Healthcare um, uh, one of our, our huge healthcare companies that we uh, global healthcare companies that we have listed here on the Australian Stock Exchange. You have uh, Cochlear, um, CSL, um, Fisher and Pike. Yes, it's New Zealand will claim it anyhow. Ramsey Healthcare. We really do do well in this medical yeah. sector, don't we? And Ramsey Healthcare, uh, seventy-seven thousand staff, eight and a half million patients in hospitals and primary care clinics. Australia, France, United Kingdom, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Germany, Italy, Malaysia, Indonesia and Hong Kong. It's huge. A lot of Australians wouldn't realise how big it is. Private hospitals, of course, have had the trouble during COVID. Uh, share prices uh, a bit down. Uh, Goldman Sachs, I see recently, put out a report, a note, um, with a buy rating and a, a $74 price target. Uh, Gary, what do you think of Ramsey? Look, I, th I think under $65, I think the stock's a buy here. So yep. it got down to under 65 the other day, so I actually topped up for a few clients um, oh, down there. Okay. Um, look, the metrics themselves at the moment don't look that attractive, so the multiples sort of looks, looks a little pricey there, but there's, there's some good reasons around that. So, I mean, we've sort of gone from... I think we were on about $3.17 earnings per share back in 2019, and then that, that effectively halved in, in 20 because of COVID. Yep. We saw a slight improvement there in 21 back up to 201. Um, but it is forecast to sort of improve again this year and then, then probably a bigger jump you know, back towards $3 a share next year. So it's, you know, because of, because of the COVID, it just means that sort of the, um, you know, the, 
I guess a lot of these elective surgeries have sort of been pushed back, pushed back, so they haven't yep. really been doing the numbers they were. So I think there'll be a, you know, a, a massive return back here, just sort of looking forward here. So it's not super cheap here, but I think there's, there's good reasons for that, and I think it's a good, safe sector to be in. Yep. And I think around, you know, you just got to buy this at the right price here. I think under 65 is at the, the right level here. So it's a bit above that at the moment. So. Yeah, well, yeah, it got down the other day, then popped yep. back above here. But I think this market's going to be volatile. I'll be, I'll be patiently here. I think you'll see a few chances to buy it under 65. Okay. So right. definitely a buy under 65. Okay. But if you're in it, hold it. For sure. Yep. Yep. Um, Howard? Yeah, I've owned it for a number of years, but uh, in recent years it hasn't passed the conscious investor filters because its debt levels are too high. And they have got a little bit addicted to debt, which is the one uh, disadvantage in their figures. Everything else in their figures looks pretty good. Uh, As Gary pointed out, earnings uh, collapsed because elective surgery is where they make most of their money. And two things have happened with that. Firstly, COVID's meant they couldn't do as much in most countries they weren't allowed to. Um, But on top of that as well, the costs of running a hospital have gone up because of all the extra COVID costs. So all the clean costs have increased. Um, You know, so many extra things have got to be done in a hospital. So, um, and that is hard to recover because many of the private hospitals that they run, um, the elective surgery is funded by health funds of some nature, private health funds. And the health funds are being squeezed, they're squeezing the hospitals. So on the one hand, we've got the aging population being a wonderful tailwind for them. But on the other hand, costs being squeezed and them being squeezed by the people who do the paying, generally the health funds. Um, so look, I'm very happy still holding it. I wish they'd get rid of some more of their debt. Um, but other than that, I'm a very happy holder, as Gary says. I, don't think it's expensive at these levels and periodically uh, there's some bad news and you can buy it even cheaper um, but it, 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 I don't think it's going to be a super fast wealth winner over the next years because it's carrying so much debt so at some right. stage or other it'll have to pay back some of that debt and that'll slow down the earnings per share because they'll probably issue more shares to pay back some of that debt. Right so you'd avoid it at these levels? No, I mean, it doesn't pass our filters, so I can't as a team invest person say that our team invest members would like it, but I still own mine and I'm not selling mine. And you hold it. Right. Okay. Uh, Howard, Kate wants a view on Hello World, the the big uh, travel agency business here in Australia. Everyone focuses on flight set and Webjet and uh, corporate travel, but Hello World is pretty big in the sector as well, um, recovering fairly nicely up until the weekend. Uh, and then like all of the travel stocks and the opening stocks got beaten around after um, the fall in the American market. Uh, how do you rate Hello World, Howard? Well, whichever sector you're in, um, you know, we all understand the problem is the travel at the moment, but whichever yeah. sector you're in, you want to be in one of the strongest companies best-run companies in the sector. And the reason Hello World doesn't get the same kind of coverage is it isn't. Um, Long before COVID, its return on equity barely um, got close to 10%. It's only ever had two years in 10 where it's had return on equity of more than 10%. Flight Centre and and, uh, corporate travel have return on equity considerably more than 10% every year. So this is not a particularly well or hasn't been a particularly well-run business. And you want to avoid the businesses in a sector where their competitors are better run than them because the competitors will always tend to do better than them. So uh, Team Invest members who who know Flight Centre and Corporate Travel uh, would look at this, and anybody who knows Webjet too, would, would look at this and say, of the four, it's the it appears to be the least well run of the four when you look at return on equity. So no matter the share price, um, we'd avoid it. Yep. Gary? Yeah, look, I've pretty much written uh, almost word for word what Howard said there, really. So, you know, I've got Flight Centre, uh, Corporate Travel, Webjet, you know, sort of better businesses. Um, it's It's pretty interesting the whole travel there it's actually you know if you look at what what the travel stocks have done kind of typifies how markets move yeah so you think about really you know those travel stocks ran up um as the economy was about to open up yep and as it opened up that was the top in the travel stocks yeah you know and then then we sort of peeled all the way back here and then effectively we're sort of like we could be going back into restrictions again so all of a sudden 
plunging into lows there. So, yep. you know, the whole idea is that it sort of it goes against the normal emotions of the market. You know, you shouldn't be sort of buying them when when they've run up and we're going to reopen. It's it's the it's the counterintuitive yeah. sort of argument there. So I think at the time there when I I sort of at the the time that when those travel stocks would run so hot, now market caps were massive. Yeah. Like the Webjet got to a market cap, I think two point. It might have been 2.4, 2.6 billion, yep. which was way above the, the market cap high, because yep. they issued so many more shares and stuff. There, so I think even Flight Center got to I think 24.50 might have exceeded the market cap yep. previous to that as well. So you just got to there's a few things you got to look at here, but it does show you how markets move, the travel stocks. So you know you kind of got to got to be buying these things when they look the ugliest, and then yep. when everything seems to be sort of taking off. And so uh, yeah. are they ugly? Yeah, I've just brought up the flight center chart, yeah. and it's, uh, it reflects exactly what you say. Yeah. Um, middle of August, it was fifteen bucks. Um, by beginning of October, twenty five dollars back down to seventeen ninety yeah. as we speak. So, so buying at fifteen dollars the other day on the dip was probably that's probably the time to be buying them again on the yep. when you think travel might be and- disruptive and yeah. Yeah. And if you if you think about it from a point of view of the business rather than the share price, um, when there was bad news in travel, lots of competitors were going broke, which meant that when the travel resumed, the companies like Flight Centre and Corporate Travel, which didn't go broke, would have much, much, much bigger market shares. So their business was going to benefit by yep. the long closures for everybody else who landed up going broke. Once the business, once um, travel opens up all around the world again, you'd assume that no more will go broke. The ones who've gone broke have gone broke and no more will. So they're not going to pick up any extra market share once it opens again. They're going to pick up the market share because of the fact that lots of others went broke. And that helps explain. I mean, in the end, a share price is a consequence of the business. The business isn't a consequence of the share price. Um, So you always want to look at the business first and then say, how does that relate to the um, share price? Yep. Good point. I think this disruption will slow down, you know, so these stocks will swing back and forth there based on yeah. the emotions of the market and, you know, yeah. but there's probably going to be 12 months here of sort of, yeah. you know, to take, you know, we were just talking about how disruptive the states are and yeah. uh, travel and our restrictions. So, yeah, it's going to take, I think it's going to be a good 12 to 18 months before everyone's get super confident about travelling. So, yeah. But we just had a whole series of charts that Leah brought up then with, Qantas, uh, Flight Centre, Webjet, all exactly the same. All peaked in September when, you know, lockdown was finished, supposedly. uh, Peaked then and have trailed off uh, a dip more recently as well. Okay, get your timing right with the travel stocks is the the advice from Gary and uh, Howard. Now, Howard Dennis wants a view on integrated research, the big uh, software uh, business critical computing business. Uh, Dennis says, I'd like to know what Howard thinks of integrated research these days. It was one of his darlings a couple of years ago. The share price has been hammered over the last year or so. Does he still like the company? Well, I'm not entirely sure it was really a darling, but I've owned it for a long time. Um, and it's passed our filters in, in Team Invest for many, many, many years. Um, it's always had high return on equity. It's never had any debt. It's always been self-funding for any of its development of software. It doesn't uh, issue more shares to develop the next thing. So it, it runs itself um, very efficiently as a business. There have been a couple of changes of CEO, which is never a good sign. But it's been absolutely hammered ever since it announced that it had a particularly bad half year when lots of its customers delayed making decisions and they clearly missed their timing. They should have started working on the development of software as a service for in the cloud um, use by the uh, clients uh, who are all the big companies, you know, enormous companies in the world. Um, long before they did, they left it too late. So very poor management decisions, probably because of the fact that there was a change of CEO twice in a relatively short period. Um, But the underlying business is still 
a particularly good business. It's quite thinly traded. So what tends to happen, of course, is that the moment the share price has been dropping for a while, everybody gets a fright and wants to sell it. And that's probably been quite appropriate because it had a terrible half year and it basically said it would probably be 2023 before they could start significantly growing their earnings again. I still like the business. I've held on to my shares. I certainly am nowhere um, near that excited about it. But in terms of my actual returns, um, I paid uh, an average of, uh, I think, somewhere close to $2 a share. They're now down to uh, uh, not much over $1 a share. So it's been a disappointment in my portfolio, no doubt about that, as it has for um, Team Invest members. Um, it probably hasn't finished the selling. I think there's still a lot more people who are going to be shaken out of the tree. But certainly if the share price gets much below where it is now, I think you'll probably find a lot of Team Invest members will start buying because the actual cash flow um, for the year that finished was about $21 million. But they only showed a, a profit of 7.9 because the way they've got to account for software as a service is different to the way they used yeah. to account yeah. when and they it, sold and it. And it takes premises. a couple of years to wash through, does it? Yeah, it does. In fact, it'll probably take about three years to wash through. So when you look at the cash flow statement, the company's in better shape than when you look at the NPAT. But um, uh, my view is... I wouldn't jump in and buy in a big hurry now because I think there are a lot more people who are still going to be shaken out. But uh, it's getting pretty close to when that will end. Okay, so put it on your watch list. Uh, What do you think, Gary? You just had a look on the chart there. So it's at a 78.6% correction from the high, so from from its... um from a sort of starting price. For a really solid business so, and highly regarded in the sector. Yeah, so it's sort of gone from what? Well, so five year 10, lows. 10, 11 cents up to 4.91 and back down to one one thirteen is the 78.6, which is a bit of a Fibonacci level, but um, yeah. but it's, it's a big, big correction there. So yeah, I mean, look, it's um, 212 market, 200, 212 mil market cap. Yeah. And so the full year revenue was around 78.5 mil. NPAT was just under eight mil, so it's not it's not expensive here. But it's just I think they just the, the last update was a uh, a bit of a miss as well. So yeah. I think um, I saw Bell Potters. I think the only one that sort of cover it. They've sort of um, moved their um, goals down to about dollar fifty or something. Their price forecast there, but they're really the only broker that cover it there. But yeah, just it's a hub on there just because they're sort of um, only look after a sort of. A, a narrow sort of bunch mm. of high-end clients here so just makes it a tough business to sort of um, follow and stuff there but yeah I mean look I, I just think it got overpriced um, because yeah. um, of where it was but yeah now it's probably looking pretty interesting so um, yeah look it, it could be a buy here but right. um, but yeah it's going to take I think how it's right it's going to take a little while for the market to get a bit of confidence there but okay. definitely looks um, so you know, would you be buying at these levels? I want to see some evidence, yeah, when you're catching right. a falling knife here, so right. I don't try not to vo- try to avoid that sort of style of investing okay. here. But I'd, if it started to sort of build here, maybe sort of, um, okay. you know, a couple of high lows sort of, you know, set up here. But, yep. um, yeah, it's look, definitely oversold here, but... Um, yeah. Good that, business, though. It can, can get slightly lower sometimes, mm. yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, our fit stock, Carly, wants a view. Uh, Gary on Symbio Holdings. I thought it was Symbio Holding. Never heard of this business, but they recently changed their name from My Netphone, which is That's a bit for bit more familiar. The telco. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I was sort of similar actually. I sort of um, <laughs> had to get my head around it. Yeah. So M- MNF Group was the um, was the old name. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um, so that. Um, the, the name changes about building a world-class software company. So yeah, that's all the, the buzzwords. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but look, at the end of the day, it's six, 616 mil market cap. I think the PE is close to around 39 at the moment. So wow. pretty high. So it's had a pretty good run here. So, so this is valued more than integrative research. Yeah, so this is all, but this is kind of like um, voice data, cloud-based. So it's yep. sort of open-ended, so not just looking for one small segment. with quite a broad segment right. there. So it is a bit of a growth area, but saying that the last update, uh, revenue line was down 5% for the full year, so 218 mil, and NPAT was... Um, was around 50 mil, so that was that was um, up. So obviously, you've cleaned the business up a little bit. So did pay a dividend, which is a good sign there. Um, 
The plus was that the, the last guidance was at the upper end of guidance, so seems the business is doing quite well. Just looked at all the broker valves there, I think um, Ords are at 7.33, Morgan Stanley 7.30, it's pretty much there right now, right. so yep. kind of pricing in. So it's just had a great run. Reporting really well, upper end of guidance, all good, but just it's just, you know, it's yep. perfectly priced here at the moment, so it doesn't really give you much upside from a shareholder right. point of view. Okay. Uh, Howard? Yeah, used to pass our filters. Um, it's um, uh, last two years' return on equity has been just under 10%, so it hasn't passed our filters. Um, debt levels are very low, so that's not a problem. Earnings per share has been a bit flat, and that's probably a consequence of the return on equity being relatively low the last couple of years. Um, they've, they've got rid of the parts of the business that were being a bit of a drag, a lot of work for very little revenue, which was trying to be a bit of a telco. And they're now focusing only on the software side of their business, which is really um, where they make most of their money. I mean, they power uh, in the background some of their software powers, all the Zoom calls and Skype calls and all yeah. sorts of things and Uber phoning you to, to let you know that they're around the corner and getting close. All those sort of things are powered by them in the background. And... Um, I think why the share price has probably run up so much is they talked a fair bit in the AGM presentation about opening up in Singapore and then moving into other Asian countries one at a time. Now, obviously, um, many of those, even the smaller countries like Singapore, Thailand, that they're talking about in the early days in Asia will be uh, potentially as big as Australia on its own. So I think that's why everybody's excited about it. But I agree with Gary, it's probably a little bit on the expensive side at the moment, um, particularly since its ROE has been uh, a little bit lower in the last couple of years. But basically quite a good business, probably got a lot of potential to grow, but whether they get this right in Asia or not, we really won't know for a couple of years. Okay. All right, let's recap the first five stocks and our stock of the day, Newix, uh, a boy from, uh, from both Howard and Gary. Macmillan Shakespeare. Um, for Jen, our, our viewer, wanted five-year scale, good dividend payer, solid earnings, um, uh, fits the bill, according to Howard, a no from Gary. Ramsey Healthcare, certainly a hold from both. Um, if it got down to that $65 mark or below, then it's worth uh, worth acquiring. Hello, world, I know. Uh, integrated research, uh, good company, um, getting to an interesting level in terms of the fall in the share price, but... Uh, may have a bit further to fall, but uh, certainly keep it on your watch list. And Symbio, a no. Um, here at the call, we have uh, our own fantasy portfolio we've been following since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner NabTrade. Any stocks that get two thumbs up from our expert panel goes into the portfolio. If it comes up again and doesn't get unanimous approval or a hold, it goes out. Uh, let's see how we're performing for the week, down about 3% the month line ball since the 1st of July this year, up 6.5% and since the 1st of July last year up 43%. Uh, some of the stocks recently added, Top Shelf International, Globe, Atlas, Alteria, Virtus Health and Brambles have been put in by our experts and uh, some of the stocks removed, Tomos, uh, Backcore, uh, Harvey Norman and Southern Cross Media. If you want to check out all the stocks and ETFs in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio and we'll keep you up to date. Having an SMSF is hard? Well, think again. Set up your own SMSF completely online with Stake Super and invest your super with freedom. There's no paperwork and Stake does all the admin. You just focus on the investing. Update, rather. Um, our next stock, uh, Howard from Finn Biotron Limited, a, a medtech um, developing drugs in that HIV hepatitis C um, area, uh, recently had a bit of a, a zoom up in share price because of some uh, some good trials on on mice. 
um, on its uh, hepatitis C uh, drug. Uh, what do you think of Biotron? Yeah, I mean, um, look, obviously, I hope they succeed. I always hope all these biotech companies succeed, but they're usually not investable, and this one is definitely one of the cases. Um, so far, it's been what uh, one of our Team Invest members some time ago joked as a money vacuum cleaner. It regularly points the vacuum cleaner in the direction of its shareholders to suck up some more money from its shareholders. In other words, it needs more capital because it's losing money. And it's done at least six capital raisings in the last 10 years. And the reason for that is it's uh, losing almost 100% of shareholders' equity every year. So it has to keep raising capital to keep going doing the trials. As far as I can tell from reading it, now I, I may be a little bit out of date, but it seems as like nothing is beyond phase two trials. A lot of the things aren't even in phase two trials in humans. So it's, it's years before this company has any prospect of making money and that assumes that not only is it, oh, it's drug successful in the end, which we don't know that will be, but also that they actually know how to run a business profitably. And so far, we have no evidence that they know how to run a business profitably. So I hope they succeed. Uh, I can't imagine any team invest member giving it a seconds, more than a second's glance yeah. and deciding definitely not investable. I'm not even vaguely interested. Garrett? Yeah, no, Hal's right there. I mean, that they make any money, they've um, erased a, a lot of money. It's actually jumped up here on the back of um, some COVID sort of um, stuff there. So their HIV, um, Hep B sort of, um, oh, sorry, Hep C um, drug, they're using animals there. They've, they've actually done some testing on COVID um, right. animals. Right. And so far the, the effects, the, um, yeah, quite, oh. quite good. So, okay. yeah, um, reducing the fluid in lungs and um, uh, reducing inflammatories, yeah, thematic at the moment. Yeah, it is a good. So that's that's the reason why it's had a pop here because it's because right. it's sort of uh, it's on a bit of a current thematic. So, but um, yeah, I mean, there's very very early. So we're at, we're at the how it's bang on. So there's no phase two yeah. in there. It's all animal testing. So it's very very early. So it's got so you've got a long long way to go. You, you know, you've got a lot of money to go. So. Um, might be interesting here, but um, yeah. but yeah, you're probably you know it's, stocks had a bit of a pop here. If it goes much higher, they'd probably probably expect another raising. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, that's a cynic coming out in you, Gary. Um, all right, uh, Ryan wants a view at the other end of the the extreme, Gary. The risk sale on Australian Foundation Investment, one of our oldest listed investment companies here in Australia. And um, Ryan asks. The, uh, a really good question, is this a better option than an ETF, which are really flavour of the year, flavour of the last three years, is that? Um, For me, yes, is the answer to that question. Oh, because, it is better uh, than an yeah, ETF. Why? Because ETFs are, um, are open funds. Right. So you notice with the ETFs there that you don't always get what you think you're getting with ETFs. And your people tend, if you think about an ETF, people tend to scramble into them all at the same time and then scramble out of them all at the same time. So yeah. that means if, you know, if you're all jumping in at the same time, that the ETF has to buy more of those sort of stocks which represent that basket. So you're right. often okay. buying that basket at a higher price than maybe you got into. Yeah. And then if you're getting out at the same time, you know, so the, the, the funds go in and out of that ETF. You know. That's why yeah. if you actually look... At a, at, uh, at a bullish and a bearish corresponding ETF in the same provider, uh, a double bear or single bear, overlay them, you'll be surprised that they, they should marry up, meet in the middle. They should be almost identical, less yeah. management fees. But they're not. Okay. They're not. All right. Is that the, so whereas a closed fund like a LIC, yeah. uh, a managed, typical managed fund, there's a pool of money in there. Sometimes it gets overvalued, like you saw the wham, Yes. You know, when, when they, you know, if a manager gets on a great run and they, you know, met, you know, obviously doing really well, people will pay a bit more over NTA for it. And then if the manager, you know, starts to perform poorly, then the NTA might go under. So you yeah. see them go under. And also sometimes you saw a rush of, you saw a massive amount of LICs come into the market two years ago. And with that rush, it meant that was the, the pie had grown so large that um, everything started to sort of trade. Below, you got I mean, some some of the LICs are trading at ten or fifteen percent 
what was actually in the fund, which is kind, of, kind of crazy to so see. So you're paying 15% higher than the value of the well, investments in it? You're less. You're paying, well, oftentimes you're paying 15% less for right. the basket. So the basket right. might have been worth a dollar or shares, and you were getting it for 85 cents. Oh, that's not bad. Which is why a lot of the LOC started to buy back their own shares, right. um, go back to go off the market, back to more private there. Right. So, yes, as long as you're buying them close to sort of um, okay. NTA, I think they're good investments. So Australian yeah. Foundation, better than an ETF, would you be buying, investing in Australian Foundation at these levels? We're, we're pretty close, sort of, you know, I think the sort of top of the market here is sort of right. in, in October, November. So, but it, we've, we've lost a few um, good managed funds, obviously. Um, you know, it used to be sort of, Milton and Argo and stuff there, but Milton's sort of gone now. So yeah. if you're looking for, sometimes, you know, if you're just sort of trying to get a basket. Um, yeah. But I mean, these guys don't do anything special. They just buy, you know, top 25. It's CBA, CSL, BHP, Macquarie. So you're just buying right. blue chip sort of stocks there. So if you want to be in a, in a basket, um, buy at the bottom of the market, I'd right. say yes, but uh, not top of the market there. It's, yeah. Howard? Uh, definitely doesn't enthuse me. I mean, um, markets have done exceptionally well since the GFC overall. I mean, a couple of hiccups, but overall done exceptionally well. This company, um, AFIC, its earnings per share are considerably lower than they were 10 years ago. So they've actually gone backwards. There's been 25% inflation in the 10 years, and they've dropped about 25% mm. in terms of earnings per share. So they're really doing 50% worse than they were doing 10 years ago when the market's doing very well. And, um, you know, uh, when you consider that many managed funds, I mean, I'm on the investment committee of one of them, the Conscious Investor Fund, we've done very well over the last years for the simple reason it hasn't been hard to do well. Um, and they haven't. Uh, and you're paying for a company that the earnings per share is going down. It's got a return on equity of about 3.5%. And you're paying um, a PE ratio of 40. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Yep. Now, part of the reason they haven't done particularly well is if you look at the top 20 companies on the ASX, the only one that has really over the long term performed exceptionally well is CSL. Mm. All the others have been pretty mediocre if you look at the... Um, returns over 10 or 15 years. So maybe that's the reason for it, but uh, it, 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 to be paying a 40p ratio for a company that generates very low return on equity and in real terms the earnings per share down 50% on 10 years ago is ludicrous and it's only happening because money is free. There's so much money floating around in the world um, being poured out by reserve banks everywhere that all sorts of absurdities, and this one's not as absurd as companies that make no profits, right. but um, you know, if there wasn't all this money around, it wouldn't be trading on the kind of PE that it's on. All right, there you go, Ryan. Good analysis there. Um, Howard, Peter wants a view on Unibar, Rodenco, Westfield, basically the owner of um, all of the Westfield shopping centres when Westfield split up. Um, into uh, Centre Group, was it, that held all the Australian uh, shopping centres. These are all the European ones. Uh, what do you think of uh, Unibar? Yeah, I mean, uh, as we said at the time, I think the lowies were smart when they got out yep. and at the price they got out. Um, you know, Unibail, um, its return on equity is low. Um, shopping centres are struggling to attract as many people coming to them and spending as much in them as they um, used to because they're buying things online. Um, interest rates are incredibly low. They've got lots of debt. When interest rates go up, their debt becomes more expensive. And what's more, when interest rates go up, the cap rate on the value of the shopping centres goes down. So um, uh, it'd be very hard uh, to get enthusiastic about anybody owning shopping centres. Um, because it's a, a, a sector that has really got massive headwinds in front of it. So, no from me. Gary? Yeah, I'm not as uh, bearish as Howard there. On uh, yeah, I actually sort of think that there actually probably you know, could be a point there where these things might be a buy here. And I, I actually sort of think the next generation actually is becoming more uh, shopping centre orientated. So, yeah. um, you know, there's sort of... You know, some of the data from some of the you know the next generation is that you know, the 
yeah, yeah, teens, boys and girls, actually, that's that's where they go mm. um, to, to sort of hang out. So they actually, yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, so go there. That's where, they, you know, so I know that's going to take a while to build that whole trend through there. Um, but I think also, you know, have seen that, um, I know we've been a massive movement towards um, online, but as soon as the shops open, we do flock mm. back to the shops. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so look, I don't think it's, um, look, I, I agree, I think, you know, that, that obviously, like the lowest got out, great time. Yep. I see that it was going to growth peter off there, but I think there's some value. I think the the, the P's aren't aren't sort of uh, too high here at the moment, and um, yeah, like I think if we got closer to four dollars there, it's probably some value in here. Okay. Um, you find here just just because they trade as um, the CDIs that they're not available to every investor in Australia. Mm. So sort of some platforms don't actually you can't actually okay. buy this stock. So, so around four dollars starts to look interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Leo wants a view on um, Gary on Booktopia, Australia's biggest online um, book retailer. Hasn't been listed for very long, only uh, only a year or so, uh, but it seems to have um, uh, matched its IPO forecast, which is a good thing for yeah. a listed company. They, yeah. they delivered on what they forecast. So, yeah, IPO 2.30, I think it got up to $3.00. Five or something there in, yep. in the early part there. Um, so the revenue was up. Uh, what I think so the market cap's two ninety five. Yeah. Revenue was two twenty three mil. So. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, that was up thirty five percent for the year. Um, I think EBIT, EBIT was up one hundred twenty five percent, so thirteen mil. Yep. Uh, One point eight million customers. So, looks like some reasonable sort of growth in there. Um, I have sort of fallen away, has I have, yeah. It's it's funny. I've I've noticed with IPOs, there's a bit of an IPO type of um, kind of trend. They'll oftentimes there's sort of new ones. They come on really hot. Yeah, yeah. And then they get a bit of a premium. Yeah, and then, then obviously some of the founders or people sort of tend to get out and sell into that yep. sort of early strength there, um, and then they sort of tend to fade back, and they'll they'll often come back sub or under or, or to to their IPO price, or or they'll come back to an early sort of starting price there. So definitely one to watch here. Look, the the numbers look pretty interesting just on that you know two ninety five you know your market cap and what you know that's. If it becomes much lower here, you might only be one times revenue. So, um, yeah, so it's definitely one to keep an eye on there. I, I do like the fact that 56% of the shares are held by insiders as well. Yep. So that's a nice tight register okay. there. So if you remember Playside Studios, they had like 60 70% there. So you want to see founders with skin in the game. So um, and a tightly held register means there's less shares tradable for yep. the rest of the market. So, yeah, it's definitely one to look at here. It's, it's probably a little bit lower here and it could be um, pretty interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what down around the two dollar mark? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think um, yeah. Okay. All right, Howard. Bit early for you, yeah, is that? Yeah. Firstly, it hasn't been listed very long, but earning revenues up, um, EBITs up. But as a shareholder, you want net profit after tax because that's what you're sharing. There's no profits to be shared around among shareholders just because the revenue went up. You don't get right. a share of the revenue. The creditors get all the revenue because um, it's paid up to them if there's no spare left over called profits. And this company hasn't made a profit so far, so uh, in its short history uh, of, of being listed, so definitely no from us. Okay. And uh, so many IPOs coming on the market. Has a, I felt sorry for the one yesterday. I forget its name. But after all what went on over the weekend, we had a travel platform list yesterday as an IPO and I thought all the work you put in to getting an IPO up and your listing day comes and it's after a crash, potential lockdowns, travel stocks plunge. Well it's been sort of three that have come on what 20-30% under their um, IPO yeah. price recently so yeah. it probably tells you a little bit. Markets had a hot run, yeah. probably getting to the tail end of the... Well, you also get, you know, the quality corporate deals get done early. And right. then and if the market's hot, okay. you do the ones that are probably, you know, second or third or fourth tier type of uh, assets as well. So yeah. you're yeah. probably getting the less quality IPOs That's coming to market currently. Yeah, yeah. Um, Howard, on Unibar, you were saying who'd want to get into shopping centres. Um, Carl wants a view on vicinity centres. Um, it's a it's a different sort of structure, isn't it? It's a staple um, security. But uh, interest in 63 shopping centres, including some big box ones, DFOs, managers' assets on behalf of, of other companies. Um, is this any more attractive? 
No, because it faces the same problems that all shopping centres have at the moment. And the biggest one of those is the free money that's being hosed around the world, which has made interest rates low. So the assets of the shopping centres look valuable. As soon as interest rates go up, the cap rates and the value of the shopping centres will come down dramatically. And its return on equity is very low. I mean, uh, it's averaging, looking across the 10 years, it's probably averaging about 5.5% or so. Um, that's pretty low. So once um, interest rates start rising, um, they, that the value of those shopping centres will go down. And I can't see how shopping centres are going to easily increase rents the way they used to um, when we've got retail sales rising a few percent a year. But of that, um, the online version is rising 15, 20% a year, which means the amount being sold in the shops themselves is probably going backwards. So um, uh, very hard to get excited about this sort of business. You know, in the end, you want to look at a company and say, I'm very confident earnings per share will be materially higher in five years' time. And I couldn't say that about any shopping centre business. Garrett? Yeah, I think the uh, earnings per share growth is pretty minimal here um, for the next sort of one or two years as well. Um, the actual chart looks pretty horrible to me. So yeah. we've really sort of had this bounce and then pull back and then bounced again. And it's been, it's taken a long, long time to go back and retest this sort of um, the first bounce. So it's just a, it's an overlapping, hardworking, so it looks, you know, to me like it's actually sort of starting to roll over here. So I just, the, technically, it looks a little weak to me. So, um, yeah. So be in it. No, no. I think look, most guys have got a hold on it on the broking moment, but um, yeah, because it's well priced here. Okay. Let's recap the uh, the final five stocks: Biotron, a no from both Australian Foundation, no Unibail, a no from. Howard, um, if it got down to around the $4 mark, um, Gary thinks it um, starts to look interesting at that level. Uh, Booktopia, a no from Howard, hasn't been listed that long. Um, Gary sort of, again, says if it gets to around $2, it's around $2.11 at the moment, then it's worth having a look at. And vicinity centres, a no from both. Uh, Howard Coleman from Team Invest, always great to have you on board. Enjoy the rest of the week. Yeah, it's been great being on and uh, all the best. And uh, Gary Glover from Novus Capital. Mate, good to see you here at the Brangaroo Studios. Thanks, David. Always great to have you in. Uh, That's our show for today. If you'd like any stocks um, put towards our expert panel, uh, put them in an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au or through Twitter using the at ausbiztv handle. And for any, uh, if you want to see any of the stocks or ETFs in the calls portfolio, head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. (laughs) 